to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now, won't you, as we explore the world together. But we try not to remember what we saw so we don't spoil it with bad memories or inaccurate good ones. We're gonna take a boat ride. We're gonna explore places you never thought you'd see. And as I said, you won't remember it though. So is it pointless? I don't know. Tavern, where the anti-elitists drink defeated. Hardy's not here. Lou speaking. Oh, yes. We are open from the hours of 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., 2 p.m. to 3 p.m., 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., 3 p.m. to 4 p.m., noon to 2 p.m., and then 8 p.m. until closing, which is whenever. Okie dokie. Hope to see you then. Uh, hello, everyone. Hey, Don. 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 Hey, Don. How's life treating you? Ah, pretty good. I love working at life. And we just got a whack-a-mole in the break room. Now, you work at the Life Cereal Company, right? No, a game of life. Oh, right. You can learn about life if you play the game of life. And that's all in quotes, uh, because the game is supposed to be existentialist and ironic. The game is a grind, just like the real thing. I don't know, Butchie. I find life challenging and rewarding. Board games are called that because they make you bored. No, they can really help develop the mind. My friend got a master's in criminal science from John Jay by turning in his thesis, which was essentially the board game clue. Ah, I bet he's now the Colonel Mustard Chair of Homicide at Monopoly State. No, he's a train cop, I will have you know. Hey, fellas. Hey, hey Hans. Hans. Man, I could use a drink. What happened? Have you seen the corner of Davis and Maine? In theory, daily. But what about it? It's gone. The corner is gone? The building. The Hilbert Hotel. They tore it down? I thought there was a bunch of people who were raising money to save it. That's a historic hotel with infinite reason to keep it going. Well, it ain't there, not even a pile of rubble. I'll be. I remember when they tore down my grandmother's house. 
it just takes so long to sink in that it's gone, especially if you're still living in it like we were. It was day three, we noticed, because it had been pretty overcast up until then. And then that was the first day that we rolled out of what we thought was our bed and was really the bare ground and said, wow, the house is gone. Are they going to build something there? Maybe a mattress store. That's the one corner where there isn't one. Oh, yeah. Those corners were all gas stations. And then they were drug stores. And now mattress stores, as our society transitions from driving to drugs and then to just sleeping. That hotel was where I first got my start. In the lozenger lounge. Those were the days. Sophisticated. I'd sing a few tunes and then do this skit where I was a monkey who got sunburned on his bottom. They loved me. I would try to spank myself and then go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird that it was there one minute and gone the next. Yeah, like everyone who ever lived. Good point. But a hotel is sort of big. I mean, where's the rubble? Landfell? And, and why hasn't there been any noise? Well, come to think of it, there were trees on the lot. How is that possible? Time, time rift, rift thing. thing. Jinx. It's some time thing. It'll probably be back when Hardy's back from the 70s. He's doing an extended appearance on a television show. Oh, which one? Oh, I don't think we have it in our universe. It's all alt stuff he does. Still, he just loves the process, not the fame. Yeah, good thing. I think he's playing general seating on Mashu. Mashu? Mobile Army Surgical Hospital Unit. I remember when he played the neighbor on Not In My Family. Or when he was on Chimps, that bar run by Bonobos. He was assistant coach dumbass. Yeah, and he'd be like, no, it's Dumas, Dumas. Yeah, I wouldn't sweat it, Hans. I bet when Hardy gets back, the hotel would be back where it's supposed to be. Why does he have to use that thing anyway? Oh, come on. It's because he's old and his doesn't work. Have pity. No, I mean the time machine. Oh, well, if you have a time hammer, every problem is a time nail. Yeah, why can't he just live in the present with the rest of us? It's often not clear where the present is, so I see his point. Is this seat taken? No, I just have my stuff on it. I'll move it. Thank you. No problem. Oh, dear. I think I left my book at the station. That bites. You have far to go? I'm going to Spokane. Spokane? Jesus, you have a long ride. I'm just going to Pittsburgh to see a movie. You can have one of my books if you want. Coincidentally, this one is a novel about a lady who takes a train trip. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. It'll be a long trip without something to read. Yeah, I won't spoil it, but it's not tragic or anything in case you're worried about getting bummed out. 
I personally like stories about futility and tragedy, as long as it's not my story. Oh, I don't mind sad novels. Me neither. Like I said, other people's sadness is interesting. Mine, not so much. What movie are you seeing in Pittsburgh, if you don't mind me asking? I don't mind you asking. If I didn't want to answer, I would just say so. It's a rare print of a largely unknown film by Rui Takanashi called Lost Tree Child. It's about a kid who finds out the woman he thought was his mother is actually the spirit of a katsura tree. It's one of those movies where the main character finds out everything he thought was true is wrong. Well, that sounds interesting. Can I ask you why you're going to Spokane? To bury my sister. Oh, I'm sorry. That's all right. I actually never met her. I just found out I had a sister. She died, and I'm the next of kin, apparently. I, I never knew about her, so... Now we'll meet at her burial, I suppose. Oh, that must have been a shock. I'm used to things not being what I expected. Good. That's a good trait. I've been found out. Welcome to the Fake River Tour. Oh, my friends, I'm so glad to be with you. And I have just there demonstrated that really you don't need clear narration in your life. You don't need a tour guide to tell you everything that you see. You are experiencing it for yourself. Maybe you'd like to do a little learning. And when you see something, you think, what is that in the water there? Is that a river demon? And they'd say, no, that's just a type of fish. And you'd say, no, I think it's a river demon. Otherwise, why is my child screaming? And you would have a point. But it is good to learn. It's just sometimes you can't learn while you're doing. I have tried to study a thing while I am doing it. For instance, scuba diving. That's something you want to learn kind of linearly. You learn it, then you dive in the water. I dove in the water with a bunch of equipment, not put together, and a manual. And that's not enough. And that's the way I did things in scouting. Were you in the Boy Scouts? It wasn't called that. It was just, it was an informal group, an informal neighborhood group, led by a dad who had had, I guess he had had some run-in with the regular scouts. And he was like, I'm going out on my own. And so we, we would follow him and do things. And it was, we wore black and it was really strange. I don't know. A lot of times we would just watch banks and nothing ever panned out. You know, he's one of these people that was all talk. But I learned a lot of skills. For instance, whittling. We whittled a lot. Because as we'd be wondering what to do, you'd say, well, I'm just going to, my hands will make a thing. Sometimes when you're bored, you, really, you look down and you go, oh my God, I've carved some sort of elaborate cube. Look with all the through carving and everything. That's insane. And I've done it in ivory. Oh, I object to that, first of all, but how did I even get it? 
It wasn't ivory. You whittled your own knee. That hurt, hurt happened on camping trip. And because um, they had taken, they had eaten something and it numbed them. And the, the next thing you know, they had made, they had made really lovely art objects out of their own bone. It's one of these gruesome horror stories you tell on camping trips. I don't know why they do. I think there's enough real fear out there. And depending on where you go camping, say this is a rough, rough area, it's a war zone. And so it's extra. There's a lot of good camping tips that you could use, most of which involve digging or caves or anything. Now, there is a historic rabbi who, when times got tough, I think about this all the time. Was it Akiva? Correct me if I'm wrong but much later after I'm gone so my feelings won't be hurt. Who, when things started to get rough there, uh, they said, coming for the Jews. And Akiva was like, again? And they weren't even that old at that point. But uh, he said, well, I'm going in the cave, and I will just, I'll come out and whatever, seven years. or and, and it's like that. I remember when I've moved places. If you move somewhere for work, it's like that. You go, I can do, a, I can do seven years anywhere. And he thought that about a cave. I'll do it. It'll be done. But I guess when you go in to hide, you don't know how long it's going to be. And so you'll go into that cave, and it could be your new home. That's where we get the expression, I, le- I guess we live here now. You're resigned to your fate. Most people say that at the airport. You go, well, I guess we live here now. Maybe it used to be train stations. Airports feel more scary because they're like little prisons too so you you can't really you can leave i guess but then they don't let you back in and train stations aren't like that are they say well if i get stuck here in the train i'll just go somewhere but if you get stuck i feel like if you get stuck at the airport it's like getting stuck inside like you've shrunk down into a human and you're stuck in the human now you can't just walk away you have to get out of the system somehow i don't know how that's done and there is someone, I guess, who was stuck forever because of politics and everything. And it's, you know, people don't, if your own country doesn't want you back and the one you're in doesn't want you, where, where do you go? Isn't that something? You'd think because we're all humans and everything, but no, no, no. It doesn't get you anything. That's the worst, that's the least connection. Let's see, what are your, what are your, what are your uh, most useless connections? One's probably animal. Other animals don't care about you. Human, not really. I don't know if you're American. No, <laughs> what, what do you have to? What do you have to? Even if you're like nobility, it depends where you're going to take that, because they might not like you. Say, I am, I am your king. I don't think so. So I wonder what. Uh, but there are. You can be an elite. I know you just got to find where that is. A lot of people say, oh, for me it's the bowling alley, or I feel like I'm an elite at my, at my coffee shop where I hang out, because I. I read, people can always see what I'm reading, and uh, I feel like they're, I'm a role model. I was watching some old episodes of Cheers, the television show, and there's a character on there, and she's a perpetual grad student, and she's got, she just keeps staying in graduate school and collecting degrees. They don't really say where the money's coming from. It ain't coming from the bar. So she's independently wealthy, and she's just, you know, working the job because she wants to, you know, see what it's, what is it like to be working class so I don't lose touch with these people? And uh, um, the best way to condescend is to descend first un, unto them. And then you're with them. Con, you're with the people that are beneath you. Condescend. It's lovely. And you 
times. I can learn something about them by watching them here at ant level. And then when I go back up, then I can see them from the tower. But uh, so she's learning a lot of degrees and everything, but she's also uh, flouting it. What? Flaunting it. Flout is to defy, right? Flaunt. One's to defy and one's to show off. Flout or flaunt. She's doing both, I think. But she's, so she'll walk around with the fancy books of learning, one of which is that Yates book that we all had in school. And um, she never gets past that. She always has like a freshman copy of everything. And uh, so she, she wants everybody to see it. She's, it's performing. She wants to be thought and intellectual. But the thing is, she is. If you hear her speak, you say, wow, you're clearly an intellectual. Because I can tell because of your, the affected style of your speech. We all want to put on a little bit, don't we? Some of us uh, want to be underestimated. Some of them um, want to be used by you. The, the eurythmic saying about this, but some people want to be underestimated. Some people want to be overestimated. Some people want to be estimated. I always think about it with, with kung fu, because sometimes life is just like a kung fu movie, or just like things that you can learn in kung fu class. Some of the things that learn uh, look sharp aren't sharp. They're just for practice. That's one thing. I don't know how that applies in your life. But I always thought about this, about um, being tough, looking tough, all that kind of thing. So what's the best thing to do? So if you look like you can, like you're a fighter or something, people might challenge you to fight. And you don't want that necessarily. Uh, so you don't want to look like that. Now let's say you look helpless. Well, you, you don't want that either. You might be a victim or, uh, you know, well, let's say you look like, you know, a little kung fu. It's all problematic, isn't it? There's no, how can I be perceived? The only real way to do it is to be invisible. Otherwise, people are going to project things on you and have expectations and all things like that. So, well, isn't the best one to be deadly and not look it? Well, no, not that one either, probably. Um, because then you'd have to use it because you look, oh, I look like somebody that somebody could take, but then I know the palm of the palm of death, the democ or something, or I know a couple other moves too. All eye poke. They don't teach you the eye pokes. My style is actually deadly. They just don't teach you that in the mall. That's true. Yes, I'm sure that's true. I had to go to another country. What? Oh, did you? Uh-huh. Where'd you go? I had to go to Bermuda. <coughs> Oh, that's interesting. And so you learn the one there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and what's that one involve? Squirting lotion in people's eyes. That would be good. That's not a bad thing. Hey, anything can be a weapon. I've learned that from Kung, uh, Kung Fu movies too. A lot of people are agrarian, like they're farmers. And for some reason, they want people want to attack farmers. And so what looks like a... Well, I don't know what that is. What's that for? It's an edger or something. I don't know. It's really, it's for harvesting. It could be a weapon. So they would have like, so nunchucks were originally for calming children. And then they became a, how would they calm children? You'd hand a bear to a child 
they would concuss themselves out like a light for like three hours and you could go get all your harvesting done. A lot of things like that turned out. One of them, um, one of the Kung Fu weapon called the rake is actually a rake. And I know it looks like a rake. You probably didn't have one in your, in your facility. Uh, we did in our school. We had all, because you could, anybody could bring a weapon. Because that's what the instructor said. He said, just go through your shed. Go through your, your shed and you'll see that anything that you really buy at the hardware store for gardening can be used to, um, to hurt a human with. I don't know, it might be anything. Kitchen things, too, are like brutal, aren't they? But some things, not all tools are weapons. And not all weapons are tools. And not a lot of things are like that. You can't just flip them. Their opposite isn't, you know, isn't useful sometimes. What's the opposite of a saxophone? It's uh, you could, you'd have to be poetic because there is no real, an anti-saxophone, right? Made of antimatter. <laughs> Thank you, spaceman. Um, it can be used offensively or defensively. Thank you again. It's certainly not a musical instrument. I like space people because they change my perspective. I see so many things Earth-centrically. Fiction does that too. But then you think, who am I really hearing from? You know, maybe it's some kind of goofy nerd. It's like, I will, as a goofy nerd, I will, I will call myself a Vulcan. You see, I don't know. And then, and then. It was really propaganda for people like myself. That's awesome. That's good, too. Because you want I don't think we're getting a lot of the messages we get are not coming from the stars. A lot of what we know about space, we just made up. That's fine. I don't mind that. Everything is essentially a fiction, isn't it? Not my beliefs. Okay, bless you. That's all right. My beliefs are, are given to me by the great celestial storyteller. Fantastic. That sounds great. I will also profess to believe in them if I feel like you're a threat. So I'm just going to tell you that right now, that I'm not to be trusted because of my obsession with self-preservation. That's the one thing. So you get a pledge of loyalty from me. Under, oh, yes. Under threat of harm or death or something. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll say whatever you want. That's why that's not really a great way to live. You know, you don't know who's, who's really with you. If they fear you, you don't want to be feared. I mean, some people, too, they think that's the way to go. But I'm telling you, you're driving people to, uh, to use uh, camouflage on you, right? When that's your, when that's your uh, method of control or persuasion. You persuade people by shaking your fist. Well, you're not going to get real true loyalty because I'm going to, you know, say whatever I have to say. And, uh, and then, hmm, the Bible says you can do that. No, does it? I don't know. It says you can. There's a line and there's a line. There's a Bible has like, I said literally what I was going to do kind of thing. Because I'm thinking like what, 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 uh, what Jacob does to Laban. I don't know that one. Of course you don't, man. It is the most purchased, least read book on the earth. So, uh, yeah, he becomes 
Israel wrestles with God. What are you talking about? I know. It, it's so interesting to me because you see, if you, you drive down the street, you say there's an awful lot of churches. People ought to be, and they have this one, and each of those things is essentially a school that has one textbook. And they have lots of time to read it and go over it and memorize it. And, um, but what, mostly what happens is that you get somebody to read it for you. Because, I mean, that's just the, that's the smart thing to do. And I've realized that that was the case. So I've done that with many, many other books. And now I rarely read a book. I just get, I call them my lit pastors, my lit pastors. And they will read a book for me and tell me what I need to care about. What it's about, which books I should like, that kind of thing. And so I listen to my lit pastor. So I've, I've, I'm into another lot of different things now I've been, I've been reading and enjoying. Now some of them, now he gets very mad when I read literature outside of, you know, what he wants me to say to I've read. And, but I really enjoy it, you know. Um, my, the one I just finished was a book called No Longer Human. Uh, by Dazai Osamu, and he was a Japanese writer. And um, it's a beautiful book about a person whose life is awful and all their self-loathing and how they can't stand themselves and especially how they're so uh, jokey and phony and want to be liked and their life just gets worse and worse and they go mad and people die and everything. And it's very, very, uh, very much a downer. However, and the author committed suicide at a sort of young age. Very well known. This is a well known book. Um, I'm not the first person to read it. But you'd think it would be very, very depressing. But in a way, it wasn't to me. Because I f identified a bit with the person, with the narrator. But I also felt as if I had an avenue out, that I had uh, something keeping me uh, alive and, and, and sane that the, that the writer didn't have. And so it made me feel it sort of validated my own feelings of fear and inadequacy and terror and... Uh, ironic, uh, you know, acceptance. And that was wonderful. That's why I believe that anything that I really present to you is just going to be evidence of humanity. Whatever I do, whether I say something that's stupid or wise, I'm going to give you some evidence of humanity. And that is always relatable I think what's not a relatable is a sort of uh, perfection or a, a sort of polish or a sort of planning that feels manipulative, you know? I think that the most, the wonderful things are the things that we discover without expecting them. Now, you can adjust your attitude and become a spiritual person and get rid of your expectations altogether. Mm, but most people can't do that. I can't do that. 
And so I like to do things that I know will scramble my expectations, will confuse me. <clears throat> if I confuse my vision, if I go into a fun house and I have all these mirrors and they're reflecting light in a way that I'm not used to, like now my head's big and fat, looks like a pumpkin. And now I look at what's, oh my word, I'm all wavy like a noodle. That helps me see the world in a different way. And I might gain some insight because I've looked at clouds from both sides now. No, you haven't. I have. Uh, well, okay. how many sides has a cloud? Because I think you might, you're looking at some kind of two-dimensional clouds. Because what I'm looking at is a sort of a 3D object made of mist. So I don't know if it has a side. They have... You see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. I'm really not. I just think that sometimes if we uh, question very ordinary things, we begin to, for instance, like see the, something the cloud doesn't have any sides. That's, a, that's about the same as the kind of uh, wonderful uh, brain thinking about the um, shoreline paradox. You know, how long is the is the shoreline of, of, of England or something, right? Well, it depends on your perspective because the smaller you get, there's more little turns and everything. They become microscopic. It's almost, uh, it's not infinite, but it's for all intents and purposes infinite. And so that's a little paradox. And so it's a, the degree of focus, how, what your resolution is that you're looking at the world. And I like to look at it sometimes with my eyes all blurred. I like to look at it so I only see shapes sometimes. I like to be surprised. I like to be disoriented. I like to walk into strange rooms. I like to fly into strange clouds that lead to other worlds. Look at that. Who's that? Who are those people? Who are the ones in the tall green hats? Ma'am? Yeah. Oh, that's the, uh, that's the tall green hat guard. Well, that's a stupid name. Well, you didn't give me, uh, you didn't give me time to think of anything. Well, shouldn't you be able to think of something quickly? I guess so. But if, when you're experiencing it, you don't have to think of it. So that's why it's good to, to confuse yourself. I remember learning about it first with Salvador Dali. I was reading about his ideas for generating visual hallucinations so he could get ideas, right? So he would, he would kind of squint or he'd put stuff in front of his eyes or he'd look at it. And he did that so that he would hallucinate objects. So he would see faces or something else in the shapes. He wanted to be able to look at everything with fresh eyes. He looked really with effed up eyes is what he wanted to see it with. Kind of dreamlike, you know, and putting aside all expectations and so suddenly that thing is another thing. Suddenly that rock is a couch. I don't know. He didn't do that one. Rock You're thinking of Magritte's couch of rock. I don't know that that's not a Magritte either, possibly. But I don't know if he, like, rubbed his eyes or something or put, on a, put a basket over his head. But I know that Salvador Dali did. And so I wanted to do that too, not just visually, but for other things, maybe for sound, hearing things you don't know what they quite are. For instance, I'm sitting in my backyard yesterday, and since I happen to know that they're completely redoing a road, not resurfacing it, 
they ripped up a road near me and uh, destroyed the old concrete slab. It was a slab. So they took it out down to the dirt. So now they're building a road, a main road, from scratch. And I'm seeing how it's done. Oh, tell me. Well, it was very interesting. So they put down some kind of mesh. And then they put down a, mil- a thousand million little uh, two-inch rocks or three, you know, gravel, big gravel. So I'm, I'm anxious to see where that's going. But they were dumping the gravel yesterday out of big dump trucks, right? So you can imagine how r- resinous this is. And it was not very close to the house, but close enough where it was still loud. And it sounded to me like a waterfall. It was rocks coming out of a metal truck onto ground, onto more rocks. And it sounded like water to me. It was very close. And if you work in sound, you realize that all the time. You know, if you do Foley, you go, what sounds, is there something that sounds more like meat than meat or something? You know, and you have conversations like that. What sounds like a gun? Oh, like a combination lock is better. So what you, what you hear is not always exactly what you picture. And so I wanted to explore that world. And I thought. Is there a world of thought like that? So if I can blur my eyes and look at an object and see something totally different or see a face in a a rock, and if I can make my ears distorted or cover them and hear some sort of sound that's not there or turn one sound into another, can I do this with concepts? Is there something that I can imagine wrongly that will reveal some truth to me or some added dimension? Can I think about uh, intellect differently? Can I think about paradoxes differently? All that, can I change what they are? Can I squint my eyes and pretend it's something it isn't? Well, just long enough to gain an insight. You know how it is when you see something in the corner of your eye and you say, what is it? What if there's something, the late night, a lot of late night shows used to say, that thing in the corner of your eye, that's a real thing. (laughs) It's a creature called peripheralites, and they live there. Okay. And you can never look directly at them, so you always have to find a way of interacting with the peripheralites without ever looking directly at them. Yes. Are there some things to think about can is that what is something that we can see better without looking directly at it oh i don't know like god oh no really i don't know i don't know what you meant well something big concepts are probably you're probably right oh my goodness who are we if you're turning in to the radio today, perhaps there's a couple things that you wanted to happen. One, have a song on that would become a backdrop, that would become the theme of the thing that you're doing. Let's say you're exercising. You put on some exercise music. Say, I would like some workout dubstep. And then you do that, and you have that, and it motivates you. Go, yes, I feel motivated. And I'm going to lift these repetitions and get the pectorals. And then there may be something else I'm studying. So I need some classical music with some rain mixed in. And then somebody going, mm, on top of that. That's now we're working at the sound collage. But you all need something like that, don't you? We all look for something like that in radio. And when you turn on this and you just hear this fella, 
What's he talking about? If I listen a few more minutes, I bet it becomes clear. I bet he gets to something. You know, because you can't just go on the radio. You can't just get somebody's attention and then not do anything with it. Let's say I'm walking down the street. I go, sir, sir, ma'am, ma'am, miss, miss, like that. Well, first of all, let's just pick one of those. You, friend, let's say I do that. Friend, yes, what is it? Listen, I say to you. You go, yes, yes, what is it? The buildings. Yes, around us. Yes, what is it? You see them? Yes, yes, get to your point. Why? Why get to my point? Well, why did you stop me? Why are you talking to me? I don't know. Maybe I'm done. Maybe I got to my point. Maybe the point was you stopping. I don't know. There's so much pressure to do things now. That's why, I tell you, that's why most television, you say, oh, television is a golden age. No, television hasn't gotten better. So yes, it has those wonderful things now. No, everybody's even stupider. That's what's happened, I think. It's just everybody, it's not television, so I think it's very much more creative now. That can't be. It really can't be. I'll tell you why it can't be. Because it's the way you do things on television. They're there, they become, uh, the point of it becomes continuing it. So it just goes on, it becomes uh, absurd and pandery and weird. Everything that succeeds becomes like that. And then our memories of them are so fond. And then you look back and you think, wow. I don't know, you know, I had some laughs here and there, but if you ever kind of question the whole thing, if you look at it and you say, is uh, sitcoms, do we need them? You know, then you realize the absurdity of it, this thing that keeps going, and you stare at it. I don't know what you think, maybe I'm Norm. And they named this, see, that's how they named him that, Norm. Supposed to normalize that. Normalize the very sad alcoholic at the corner of the bar. Norm. Coach. Coach. He's coaching people what? And and he's like, he's dumber than Homer Simpson. And the, the things that they have coach say on Cheers, bless him, bless him. And then by the third episode, they've established that he's like that because he kept getting baseballs in the, hit in the head with baseballs. They say that. So they say, this poor fella has brain damage. That's one of the characters. So that's strange to me, you know, a little bit. And it's all very, very odd. But uh, every sitcom is like that. A lot of times the names are Murray Slaughter, who has the sharp-edged tongue on Mary Tyler Moore. He's always putting down uh, uh, Ted Baxter. I don't know what that means. I don't know. What is that? What is a Baxter? I think they used to have those. My my people were Baxters, so we did a lot of Baxtering back when that was the thing. Me, um, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I can never make uh, a coffin. I'm just not a joiner. All right, that's it. I'm think there's a dad out there going going wild. Really, um, Cooper. Cooper's a thing. What a Cooper make? Cooper makes staves, I think. What do you mean? Well, barrels. See, I, I met a Cooper at one of those historic reenactment things. 
And he goes, does anybody know what a cooper is? And I said, they make barrels. They go, doesn't just make barrels, they make staves. And he, get, and he hit me with a kung fu weapon of his own design. No, he didn't. But that's it. That's so, uh, what are the other professions that are also fun, that are also surnames? Crapper, pooper, everybody knows those and everything. Um, I don't know what your surname is. You shouldn't have to have one. They're strange. You know, especially if you don't, not close to your family or something. You go, why is that my last name? Can't I pick something? It would be very confusing if everybody just picked their own name. <laughs> I really would it though. Well, you wouldn't know who's related. You don't know now. So I don't understand that. That's what's so crazy. It's like, oh, you're the confusion. I, you know, I have, I, do you ever have one of those surnames? And I do, that five billion trillion people has. Now, how does that, how does that uh, help me? And I'm not related to any of them. So that's a, I mean, way, going way back, I am. Adam and Eve and everything. You know, I bet there's people, uh, I'm going to get phone calls, but what if there's never been a couple ever, anywhere, a married couple named Adam and Eve? That's a possibility. Because if, if you're naming, I might not want to hook up with somebody who had that name. I never even thought about that. Now I'll watch this stuff about Eve Plum or some famous Eve say, you know, she's married to Adam Levine. I did not know that. But that's fun. Are you one of those people that gets a... a that collects uh, marriage announcements out of the paper because their two surnames together are like a naughty sentence or something or something funny. I always think of that, you know. Like, oh, two people got married and their name's like, I don't know, I'm not going to say it. You know why? i tell you why. Because occasionally I remember I'm on radio and uh, one of those things, the first thing that would come out of my, my mouth, just to say jokingly, would be something shocking and bad. So, not hurtful. Just, there's a lot of things we can't even talk about on Rick because somebody get upset, you know? I'll tell you, the, the biggest, bless you, but I really do think for his, the biggest mistake that our creator ever made was genitals because people get so upset about anything. So, I don't know what that was about. That's been a major mistake um, but really, really responsible for so much. There are, there's other ways to do it because I've seen like fungus and all, and I know that that, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind, I wish I could just pop my head off, set it on a shelf with toothpicks in the neck over some water. I grow a new head while my old head grows roots and becomes a root head. And then it can't move around, but it's, it's fun, you know. And then you have another member of the family if you're lonely or something. If, you know, if you could propagate like that. I don't know. I'm, I, I like to think about things like that because I think every solution, I mean, every problem has a solution. If they're just not all, you know, real. But if they haven't happened yet, how do we know they're not real? I know I'm just, I'm, I'm, call me optimistic, but I just believe that things can just absolutely just pop into existence. Call me a dreamer. And I am a dreamer, and I think you are too. You don't seem to be taking this seriously. 
because I'm really, I'm absolutely convinced that we're dreaming. So I'm going to, I'm, it's going to take a lot of convincing. You know, go wait till you die. I'm waiting. We'll see. So I don't know. I'm pretty sure this is a dream. I'm either going to wake up from it or there is not but dreams. N-A-U-G-T. There's nothing but dreams. Right? N-O-U. How do you spell it? There's not but God. There's not but dreams. Everything is God dream, maybe. That's what I think. I don't really. I, and at the end of every day, I decide to think something definitively. Do you do, do that? I go, before I go to bed, I am going to absolutely suspend all my critical thinking, believe a thing, and go to bed, and I'm going to start tomorrow morning picking it all apart and having doubts again. But I think as I lay me down to sleep, I'm just going to, you know, here we go. Go to shut my eyes and go have a talk with Maimonides. I don't know what's going to happen. But, uh, gosh, I, you know, if the, I just hope that, I hope that the universe is half as nice as I am. Because then we'd be fine. And I'm not saying I'm such a nice person, but gosh, there's so much that I wouldn't do, you know, like torture and destroy people, bring pain and suffering. It gives me no pleasure. So it'd just be nice if it's like, yes, just take somebody like Hardy and then make somebody half as nice, and there's your God. Because I really, uh, I'm always stunned sort of the all that's required of human beings sometimes. Sometimes we ask one another to be cruel to one another. That we demand it. That we demand destruction. Uh, uh, it's unfathomable to me. I don't have any room for it as an option. If I have a problem... The last thing on my mind is to kill the person who's part of the problem or destroy everything. Uh, I've taken that one off the table. So when I see the, the cruelty and the destruction that we're all capable of, I'm firstly confused by it. It is something I don't know that I relate to. You say, well, all that exists in the hearts of all humans. I think yes on average or something because I'm not sure that I, I know that I could do that. I say, well, you would if you were mad enough. Really? I don't, I don't know. You know, I've literally thought about those things. A lot of people have. And I can't think of any, any, uh, any good reason. But uh, so you'll always be fine in my house. So if you're worried about your safety while you're having dinner with me, you're good probably. And uh, because it's the it's it's not my f ever going to be my friends, maybe, is it? It's the people that I've othered. I wonder who I've othered. Well, the folks next door that I call literally call the others. Um, and then there's uh, yeah, I've done that. I've done it before. I'm going to undo it. I don't like to double down on my mistakes. I hear that a lot. People say something unkind. And they go, what did you just say? You said something hurtful and unkind. I don't care. I said it. It's like, wow, you know, you're, you're, you're afraid to feel a bad thing for like two seconds. And so you, uh, you turn the knob up on, 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 the, on the crap flinger. You don't have to do that. Listen, you know, it's not, 
I, I hurt your feelings, or I say something stupid. You tell me. I apologize. You know, and I, I try to do better, but like I, I don't feel like that's diminished me or anything. You just let me know. I care. And uh, you know, if you if it's if I deem it to be ridiculous or something or something I can't control, and that's that might happen. But usually, it's just uh, we. Sometimes we need to tell each other things about who we are. So you get to, if I'm curious about life and others, then I can expect at some point I may do something that causes that other person harm or discomfort. And I would expect them to tell me, Hardy, I, I don't, you probably didn't know this. What? What? what oh, I'm so sorry. Um, and <laughs> in my house, we don't sit on the chairs. Oh my God, I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Yeah, okay, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to sit on the chair. It's not a problem this time. Just uh, we don't sit on the chairs. All right, oh, no no problem. When I'm here, I remember not to do that. See, that's how I'd handle that situation. I wouldn't say, oh, that's nuts. They're chairs. You're supposed to sit. Look, I'll just, when I come over to your house, I won't sit on one. But that's settled. I feel like I'm making more uh, problems for myself if I want everybody to be hardy white. When is it? <laughs> That's going to be exhausting. I can't imagine going on police in the world and trying to make everybody me. Oh, my goodness. I just, let's, uh, I just like to play by ear, ask people what they need or something. Eh, that's just me. Oh, I'm so glad to be with you. Are we lucky or what to be together like this? I think so. I count my... My blessings the, all the time. I do it every night. It puts me to sleep. And uh, you can count sheep or blessings. But I have so many blessings. I do tend to repeat myself. I probably think I have a lot, and a lot of them are duplicates. It's like, look at all the Pokemon cards I have. Well, you've got like at least 50 of them are the same thing. Well, I know. You want to have different ones. Oh, all right. But I do feel like I have a lot of blessings. And uh, each one of you is a separate. I count every person I know as a separate blessing. Why would I lump you in? Yes, you're all fans. None of you are fans. This thing doesn't work that way. Uh, that's not our relationship. It's, um, it's something different, isn't it? I'm not sure what it is. I think it's baker, bake, bake goods eaters. Because the people eating your baked goods, they could they could also be bakers, you see. So there isn't any. Um, it's just a matter of interest in the things that you're baking at that given time, and that's what I think we have is that we have sort of a mutual interest in one another. I believe that you have similar questions, and you have a desire for similar experiences that, that I do. I also think it's really important to turn on a radio or something and hear a voice of someone that reiterates things that you've been thinking about or you feel, that encourages you, that says you are not crazy or alone to have the, the heart that you have. You are not crazy. You are not weak to feel this way. I feel overwhelmed by, oh, read some wonderful literature. Oh, humans been 
feeling this way for so long. You are not alone. You are not lesser. You are not stupid. You are not weak. You are alive. And every second that you're alive is an accomplishment. Don't let anybody tell you different. There's a lot of bitter, angry people that believe that they can get higher by standing on you. They cannot. You can't reach heaven on the heads of others. So don't worry about those that would try to keep you down or what what's your self what interest is it of theirs your self-esteem they need to count their own money and and leave you uh, to be you and i approach all human beings as if they were uh, uh, an autonomous country almost that i'm walking into their their land and i'm, I'm approaching the sovereign of of Mary Mary world right Allison Allison where I'm approaching Allison to me Allison is the equal of all the uh, uh, great countries and I uh, acknowledge you and I respect you for being alive oh my god it's rough so look worldwide you get an idea of just how it might not be so yeah, I guess it's kind of rough yeah but you know the um, the facts that it could be rougher also make it rough. You know, sometimes we say, well, I, I live here. I got it pretty good. And some people across the world, you know, they're, uh, they're hungry or refugees. Yes, and we think about that, but we also think that that could be our condition at any time. This is, uh, this is we're always close to that being us. We are them. They are us always. And so, yes, you may be afraid of that. It is okay to fear that. It is okay to let that into your heart. You say, well, if I, if I, if I think that, that, you know, my, my condition is less stable than I think it is. I'm less safe than I think. What will happen? Well, I'm here too. We're thinking that together. So that's what I'm saying. Oh, we're here to lift one another up and you can Open your eyes more, and it's uh, going to seem, uh, you know, hard, but uh, keep going. We'll help each other keep going. I have respect for you. You deserve it. You deserve it. You make, I made mistakes. You don't know me. Everybody's made, some people have made ones that you can't even imagine. Some people are in the middle of making ones that are changing the world. Can you imagine that some, it's, there's people with enough power that when they wake up and they say, I'll show them, we're doomed. How about that? That's a mistake. You know, so whew, our little lives, we probably haven't done much in the grand scheme of things to really wreck it. You're doing all right. I know it's hard. Pain is real. Physical pain is real. Emotional pain is real. Loneliness is real. And uh, I acknowledge that. Can I solve it? No. Can I give you a formula for solving it? No. All I can do is give you the names and numbers of others who are uh, there right with you and who are willing to form a, a web of, of compassion and lift you up. And we all think of one another. And we understand, even if I've never met you, I know that you're there and that you're in my heart and I'm in yours. And that's how oh, those invisible bonds do matter. 
Oh, yes, they do. Because you think, oh, the evil. Oh, they're all getting together. They only get together superficially. They can't speak to each other in their minds and their hearts like we can. No, 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 no. You need to be sensitive and feeling. You need to be compassionate to do that. You need to abandon yourself. They can't do that. The evil can't do that. They can't abandon themselves. They can't let their, they can't take their armor off on the battlefield. And we know that that's the key. I'm going to take it all off. I'm going to wander out here open. Ah, my faith is in my ability to heal because I know these things ultimately pass through me. I can only be wounded superficially. You are so important to me. We are united in this, our beautiful thoughts. We are together and one. And we all spread out. And just because we don't know each other by name doesn't mean we're not here. You feel the power of it. And so if there is injustice in the world, if there is horror, if there uh, is hardship, if there is suffering, if there is injustice, imprisonment, death, if there is depression, we shall be uh, something. <laughs> See, I've got to, what? Say it. No, no adjective. There's no noun. There's no thing. I'm not going to say the word one. I don't know. All I know is that let's keep, let's keep in contact. And then uh, should something need to be done, uh, we'll know where to find one another. Oh, bless you so much. And I'm going to keep you here in my heart. And I hope you don't get blood and fat on you. Because that's what's in there. And I keep a little thing. You're in there like a figurine. Like Ozma of Oz made into a tchotchke. What? There's an, um, did you ever read that one? It's another uh, bomb book. Bomb is in Ozbomb. That's the, the author, Frank. And um, it's Ozma of Oz, and I believe in that one, uh, some, a witch or something has turned people into figurines, little tchotchkes on a shelf. And that's haunted me since I read that at age 40. So that's something that scares me a little bit. But that's the way you are in my heart, though, is a little collectible. Still in the box, so it's more valuable to me. Every once though, I sneak you out, play with you, put you back, and then I reseal the cellophane with the heat gun. But uh, that's just going to be our little secret. Oh, we are a club, and we are in a club. Oh, it made me think of that, that Mitch Hedberg joke about a club sandwich. But we should have our own club sandwich. I think. I wonder what it would be. There's a lot of people have different dietary things, so I don't want it to be a literal one because the bread alone is going to be problematic. And then the stuff going in it. Can't please everybody. So that sandwich is going to have to ma be made of something that, like potential. You know, the sandwich is going to be made of something that's more like a, a blueprint. And then we can plug in anything we want into that. So we're going to be able to hold... The, the real meat of something with something. What's that going to be? So, I don't know. What goes in there? What are we going to hold? I'm going to hold you in my heart in the library with Colonel Mustard. And then he's sitting there with a candlestick. And he's saying, you light my way. Oh, you light my way, my friends. 
What are you listening to? I'm listening to Miracle Nutrition on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope 91.9 in Rockland County and New York City, New York, and online, WFMU.org worldwide. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you again next week. Thank you.